0: It's always a great blessing for us to be able to gather as a community of faith, especially on this holy night in which we are praying together, uh, grateful to God for everything he has done in our life, especially for Christ's crucifixion on the cross. We tend to sometimes rush through the process of Christ's life. We want the resurrection. We want the glory. We want all the blessings of both heaven and earth. But we sometimes fail to slow down to grasp that Christ himself walked very purposefully and everything he did from the nine months in his mother's womb was done at a very slow and purposeful pace for a particular reason. He didn't just drop down from heaven and died and rose from the dead and redeemed humanity. He redeemed humanity through every single stage that he lived on this earth. And that is why St. Paul was able to tell us that Christ was like us in every single way except for sin. All these things that we read in the scriptures are not analogies, are not poetry, are not kind of cute sayings that we might put on the wall. But we really need to grasp everything that is told to us in the scriptures and realize that everything was there for a reason. And Christ was very purposeful in everything he did and redeemed every single action of our humanity. And especially today, we focus on the fact that although we are afraid of death, Christ conquered death, not by running away from it, but specifically by embracing it with a joy. Very often, when you turn on the radio or the TV, you hear statistics. But apparently 86.54% of statistics are made up, perhaps including that one. On the other hand, some statistics are very real and some are not very helpful at all. One statistic in particular points out that hospitals are the most dangerous places on earth because that is where Most deaths take place. Furthermore, some statistics are real but inescapable, such as the statistic that 100% of people who are born end up dying. This is a terrible and depressing statistic, especially for all of us because we're still alive. There are, however, some very positive statistics out there. For example, it has been proven in repeated studies that the more birthdays you have, the longer you will live. <laughs> Despite these positive and negative statistics about life and death, Jesus tonight offers us a statistic that is always 100% accurate. He said, I came that you may have life and have it abundantly. This applies to 100% of everyone who has ever been born and everyone who ever will be born from now till the end of time. This is one statistic that is not made up, that is not exaggerated, and that is definitely not useless. But how are we to have this life that Jesus promised every single one of us? Our spiritual life should never be a mystery because Jesus offered us clarity. Sometimes people wonder where God is, how we are to live on earth, how we are to get to heaven, what it is that makes God happy. These, my brothers and sisters, are not mysteries. They're not something we need to guess. Not because someone's smarter than you figure them out, but because God himself became incarnate and he spent years teaching his disciples everything we need to know about salvation. He died and rose from the dead and then after his death and resurrection remained with them for 40 days to continue this teaching process so that whatever it is that they did not understand because he looked like only an earthly man, they would understand after his death and resurrection. Jesus came that we may have life. And he clearly told us how to get that life when he said, for whoever would save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And just like everything Jesus said, he didn't just say it and walk away. He didn't just say it and go, Uh, run and hide behind someone or focus on the fact that he is the son of the only begotten father. But he lived it very practically. And that is why we are here today. That Jesus did not just tell us to lose our life. He, as we look on the cross and look at this tomb here, he gave us his life. Unfortunately, We have heard this far too many times. We have heard it so often that very often we become immune of the great significance of this message and how it relates to our day-to-day life. Giving our life to Jesus, especially in this world, might be a little too radical-sounding. The world seems to be going in one direction and if we are to witness to our faith, we might be going in a different direction and may stand out. That seems to be scary to so many people. How are we to stand out? The purpose of life is to fit in. This seems radical. Giving our life to Jesus seems too radical. But the irony is, that many people lose their life to things that are absolutely useless. Some lose their life to gambling and find that they are broke and in debt. Some lose their life to sports and find that they are being thrown from one end zone to another in life and simply are following whatever statistics, and whatever game is placed in front of them. Some lose their life to chasing wealth. And then, what do they find out after a very long life of chasing wealth? They find out that even the greatest wealth is poverty, if there isn't a deeper meaning to life. Jesus, however, asks us to lose our life by giving him our life because, and specifically because, he conquered death. We do this in three very specific ways. First, today, don't rush off and don't start a conversation with everyone you see around you immediately as if. Tonight's service was simply a formality for us to get back to what we were doing earlier or get back to our um, regular way of life. First, I invite all of you to reflect on this tomb, and when you go home, to reflect on the cross. Reflect on the cross and believe very strongly in your heart and even say in a loud voice and share with your family members, that you love Jesus, and you are grateful for Christ who sacrificed himself on the cross. Perhaps you want to say something like, thank you for Jesus for dying on the cross for me. Even if you were the only person on this entire world, Jesus would have still come down to earth and died on the cross for you. So when we say everyone, we don't mean that in a crowd sense of the word, But every single one of us here present in a personal way, not in a generic way. Right now, I'm looking at you, I see a generic crowd. Jesus sees every single one of you personally, and not only sees your faces, but he sees your entire life. He sees your struggles. He sees your pains. He sees your challenges, and then he invites you to transform those into joy in him. Second, after we do this, and hopefully we do it often, this is not just a a once-in-a-while kind of thing, perhaps even every day, to remind us of everything Jesus did for us. But second, it is important to invite Jesus to be the master of our life. What does that mean? When we wake up every morning, we have short-term and long-term plans. We think, this is what I want to do today, And this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. The cross reminds us that we need to put the cross in front of us and allow Christ himself to guide our day. Instead of just, this is what I want to do today, place that petition in God's hands and say, what do you want me to do today? These are my plans, but I invite you to be in the driver's seat O Lord, because I fail often, but you are the one who has proven that you are able to die and rise from the dead. Jesus conquered sin sin and death by dying and rising, but he does not want to conquer us in the way of decreasing who we are as humans. He wants us to open the doors of our lives And allow him to be the master of everything in our life. There's a famous picture of Jesus knocking at a door. Perhaps some of you may have seen it. One thing, a very small nuance in this picture, that sometimes some may not notice, is that there is no handle on the side of the door where Jesus is standing. And this is no mistake. Rather, this reminds us that the handle is always on our side. Jesus stands at the door and knocks. He does not push open the door. He waits for us on the inside to turn that knob. He knocks and he waits. He knocks and he's patient. For us to open that door, whenever we are able to. And then after accepting that Jesus died and rose for each and every one of us individually, and after inviting Jesus to be the master of our lives, the third step is to live like we really mean it. There is a saying that if we were all taken to trial tonight for being a follower of Christ, Would there be enough evidence against us to convict us? And that's what we need to think of in our life. If you are a sports follower, there is evidence that you like this team. You buy their jerseys, you go to their games, and you even get into fights with your friends and relatives that you are a follower of this team that throws around a football or a basketball. What evidence is there for our life in Christ? Not uh, random evidence 5, 10, 20 years ago, but daily. Are the fruits of our faith need to be visible? Yes, we pray in silent, but the fruits of our faith need to, be, need to shine so that all may see the glory of God in our life. If we spend months planting, but can't show the fruit of our labor, then we worked in vain. After we work hard on our garden, we look for fruit that is visible, that is colorful, that is tasty. So too, the fruit of our faith must be even more visible, more colorful, and more pleasant for us and all those around us to experience. Furthermore, St. James tells us so faith by itself, if it has no works, is dead. Our faith starts as an inner conviction and then is expressed externally. We have many examples of this in the life of the saints. One, A very striking example is St. Maximilian Kolbe, who showed us this faith in action very clearly. When he was in Auschwitz, one prisoner escaped, and the soldiers got ready to kill 10 soldiers in his place. One of the men that was lined up to be executed, named Francis, pleaded not to be killed because he was married and had a young son. St. Maximilian Kolbe said, I am a Catholic priest and I want to die for that man. Please choose me instead. Sometimes we think our crosses are too heavy, but it is only when we look at the crosses of others, the lives of others, and are able to give our life for others that that cross becomes lighter. The cross is a gift And a blessing, not 87.6% of the times, but 100% of the time for 100% of us. Jesus tells us, come to me, all who labor and are heavy burden, and I will give you rest. When we come to to him, he gives us the rest that he promised 100% of the time. Jesus gave us his 100%, and he wants us to give him our 100%. He wants us to give life our 100% as well. He wants us to give others our 100%. Because when we die to our selfish ways of life, we will see 100% of who we are meant to be as followers of the crucified and risen Messiah.